I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Online podcast. Just taking my shoes off here and we're good to go. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and in today's episode, I had a conversation with a new buddy of mine called Eric Goodman. Dr. Goodman is a pretty fancy guy. You likely have heard of him. He is uh, what's his founder of Foundation Training, best-selling author. Just finished up a book that I just finished up uh, called True to Form. Previous book was Foundation, uh, which is the guide to Foundation Training. Read, find your core, conquer back pain, and move with confidence. Uh, really grateful to get to have had the good doctor on the show. Um, had a handful of people commenting, recommending that we have a discussion on things, so we did it. Uh, really, really fun talk. Uh, got into his alternative lifestyle that he and his beautiful lady are uh, getting after right now. Living in an RV, traveling around the country, teaching workshops and seminars, and disseminating some beautiful information. Um, got into uh, activating posterior chain and the value of integrating, harmonizing all of the musculature and the connective tissue throughout our whole system and uh, things of that nature. It takes everybody, it takes a village, it takes a community and it, uh, on a microcosmic scale, it takes a community to raise a child well and to heal a body well and to, to, to help a small group of people thrive, but it also takes a community to help the world thrive. And, it takes a community viewpoint in which all the viewpoint is, there's nothing more, is that it's okay for everybody else to be here too. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, checking out the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there you'll find hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement, self-care kit will be on there as well, which is a hollow foam roller screw on lids inside that thing. You got two different myofascial release balls. You got heavy duty elastic band door anchor. You can adjust the size or uh, the height on that thing. Get your body moving. And of course, happy 4th of July. July, 4th of July, 4th of July. For me, these patriotic holidays end up bearing some degree of psychic weight, like patriotic guilt. Um, I, I just think it's it's interesting to see right now I'm in my office and out front there's a parade that's about to go by and thousands of trashed drunk Americans running by screaming about how much they love America and freedom and I don't think any of them know what the hell they're talking about nor do I really that's the thing um, I was reading some statistics some stuff and uh, it's scientific American this morning and first thing interesting patriotic America probably American children from the USA create 13 times the ecological damage in a lifetime compared to a person from Brazil uh, we drain as many what did I write there? As many resources as 35 natives from India, and uh, we end up using 53 times more goods and services 
than uh, people in China, is what I read in the thingy this morning, using about 20 million barrels of oil per day. Proud to be American, hell yeah. Um, I think it would be really cool if we would reflect a little bit on just the resources that we're using. We don't need to be guilt to feel guilt like I do, but we can just um, reflect and see how can we make things better. And there's a quote that I wanted to mention in today's little dealio, and it's, uh, I don't know who said this, but turn life into a living, breathing work of art because anything else would be a tragedy. I'd like us to look at that in our the resources that we use, in the homes that we build, in the relationships that we have, in the communities that we live in. If you are a person that is giving back to the community, if you're a person that is developing your mind and your body on a momentary basis every day, then you belong here and you deserve to be proud to be an American or a world citizen or what have you. You deserve, you deserve to be proud to be you. And if not, I think that um, we have some work to do. And uh, not to say that you, you shouldn't be proud to be you, but there's so many gaping holes in this system that we are operating in, and I think that it would be in our favors to start patching those guys up, starting with ourselves, starting with our community, and uh, as opposed to dousing them in booze and American pride, and they hate us for our freedom. They don't hate us for our freedom. They hate us because we're butting our nose into their business, taking their resources, and uh, being playing big brother in the rest of the world. Um, meanwhile, we are being hypocritical and uh, not practicing what we preach. And so at an individual level, I'd like to, for us to practice what we preach and really uh, make, that, make that a thing. Happy 4th of July. Uh, another quote that I wanted to mention is from Mr. Timothy Leary, psychedelic master. In order to use your head, you must first lose your mind. So, we evolve into this community and we develop our perspectives based off of the environment that we are created in. Whether you realize it or not, you are a walking, living, breathing product of your environment. Everything that I'm saying with my liberal out there, new age jargon, it's all a product of my environment. This isn't me, I am a medium and this is speaking through me and here we are. God dang, I must be crazy. Um, Thank you for leaving Amazon, no, wait, Amazon. Oh yeah, using the Amazon portal on the website, on the right blog, right sidebar of the blog and the uh, podcast page, onlinetherapy.com. And thank you for leaving reviews on iTunes. It is so helpful. I've gotten some amazing, amazing reviews on there and it just makes me well up with uh, American pride every time I get those. So thank you so much. I am just, I, I love them. Thank you. And I think that might be all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here we go back to the show with the good doctor, every good man, na, 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 na. Align podcast. I'm standing up on a foam roller right now, so I might actually fall yeah, on, on my ass. <laughs> that's like the best. That's like the best arch massage there is. That's what I'm saying. Unless you're already overpronated and neverted and just completely yeah. blown out, then it can potentially be hazardous. But if you're able to maintain integrity, then it's it's phenomenal. That's what so, I want to talk about. <laughs> wait, we're about to because I feel like we're about to get really into my whole deal. So what's I want to know more about what before we get into that. What's your what do you like? What's your what's your story a little bit? What's my deal? Yeah. So this is a line therapy. 
therapy. So I come from a background of rolfing and then manual therapy slash physical training turned self-care education, how to bring incorporate functionality of movement into every aspect of your life. And then getting into the question, kind of more philosophical question of like, what is the point? You know, and so that's what this show is all about is to have really, you know, smart, interesting people like yourself to kind of just have normal conversations about what the fuck is the point of all this? Like, why do we wake up? What's the point of being healthy? That's a great question, man. That's yeah. a great question. Cool. So you're, so you're trying to look at sort of the philosophical end of, of why we do the things we do. Grounded in science and some kind of type of anchor, because if I'm just woo-woo out there, new age, let's just play didgeridoo and like get naked it's gonna and go too far. howl at the moon, it's too far. Even though I'm into all yeah. that stuff. And if you like hang out with me like on a personal level, like, you know, that might happen. <laughs> but yeah. as far as the projection out into the world, I want to be able to have have a little bit more like grounded conversation so that people can grab on, go deeper, and then maybe start exploring weird parts of themselves they didn't really know they had. I love it, man. I think that's a really interesting line to walk is uh, having the intense and very legitimate urge to explore what we can do in our life, which means you have to be a little weird. You have to be curious. You got to do a lot of funky stuff. Yeah. Versus trying to be a professional human being that is taken seriously. Yeah. And it's that whole identity. It's the identity that, that I think that we come, we become consumed in, you know, and you yeah. get so wrapped up in like who you think you're supposed to be. And I'm Eric Goodman foundation, whatever. It's like, I Good know. Luck. Yeah. I, I'm sure that you've had this. Cause I, I feel like, you know, we, we kind of have walked comparable paths in certain, certain ways. And one of the things that I noticed as I was traveling was maintaining this identity of sorts of like, Aaron Alexander, self-care, whatever, you know, guy. And I'm like, well, now I'm in this, you know, tent with a bunch of Muslims and we're like playing the drums. And it's like, I have no connection to that right now. You know what I'm saying? Your identity, your identity is, is, is very superficial. The one you identify with, not you, but humans, like the, the one that's on the surface, it's very superficial. It's, and who cares? It, it, it should never be so powerful that it stops you from experiencing life. But I also think it's a tool. Yeah, it's a, it's one of the tools, you know, know, it's one of it's, you're lucky. I'm lucky (laughs) because you have a skill, you have a skill (laughs) and you can take it with you and you don't have to literally, you don't have to physically carry it with you. You can literally just carry it with you and it's in your brain and it's a, it's a set of tools that you can express to people. Yeah, man. That's, That's wonderful. I wish more people had that. That's what we're that's what we're trying to do, Eric. People be happier. <laughs> I believe that. Right yeah. on. So whenever whenever you're good to go, I'm good. I'm to go. already recording. We're talking. Oh wow, that's easy. Yeah, this okay, is, this cool. is this, yeah. We're we're <laughs> we're on we're we're go. And if if it's like it's like I didn't want that to be recorded, then I can just delete it. But generally speaking, oh. I don't I don't really like doing like start you know hard starts. It's just yeah. it's a weird thing to me. But now that we're talking I about it, we're kind of are doing a hard start. So welcome to the show. <laughs> But yeah, so dude, so what you are doing, you, how long have you been traveling, RVing, like what's going on? We got rid of our house in Carpinteria. We had this really cool avocado ranch and I don't want people to think I'm some loaded guy. I was renting it, you know, it's right. not, it wasn't mine, <laughs> but we decided we were traveling a lot more and, and we were very rarely at the ranch. So gotta, what are we going to do? We're paying all this money for this space, but we're never here. So we got an RV in January, 2015. And we have been without a house ever since. Cool. So over a little over a year and a half now. Awesome. Perfect. How's it been? What's the transition like? Are you getting homesick? Are you, are you, have you found home? Is home in the heart? I, I am a little homesick. But yeah. what I've noticed is that <clears throat> what I get homesick is not 
for the place. It's for, it, I, I get these little nostalgic glimpses of comfort when I go visit friends or I go see my family. Right. <clears throat> and as we're doing that, those little nostalgic glimpses manifest themselves in your brain into like, I need my house. I need my home way. Yeah. I need my gym that I can go to every day and my friends that I can go to dinner with that are the same group that I'm used to. Yeah. But I will admit that's a fleeting feeling. It lasts a week or two or three. Right. And then all of a sudden, when you haven't stepped over and gotten a house, you're so happy you didn't because right. you're still on the road and you're on to the next place. And, you know, my family is, is myself, my wonderful partner, Jen, and our two dogs. And my best friend in the world, Dustin, is doing the same thing as us alongside us a lot of the time. We have a few other friends that are starting to do it. And there's just this whole... There's this whole group of young docs that are starting to see the mobile life as a good possibility or at least an opportunity to experience something cool right. while they're still young and, and while they're still young and they don't have a crazy amount of responsibilities in life. Yeah. And so that so it's that piece, you know, I, I tend to think everything's metaphoric for everything else. And I think that piece of having that attachment to home, you know, that's kind of the metaphor for like the, the ego and who am I? And that self-reflection and that kind of, the, you know, it's like the, um, when I was listening to Alan Watts this morning, and he's talking about playing a guitar, and you have, the, you have the sound box there to, in order to reverberate and hear yourself. Sometimes when you're always out in the world, there's never, you never have that feedback of like, here I am. When you have good grounded friends and you have your local wave and it's like, this is my identity. I see, hear, feel myself. And then sometimes you can get too deep into that. I think that you can get too comfortable and, and, and miss growth. But do you know what I'm saying? Is that like crazy? <laughs> I think uh, the way that works in my head is, is we're not, we're the guitar, but we're not the music it plays. Mm. So every now and then we have to stop identifying with the quality of sound for a moment that's coming out of us and maybe pay closer attention to how we're tuned. Yeah. Before we amplify, you know, right. totally. And so that's so and so and <laughs> perfect segue into the body. So, you know, and that's <laughs> and that is the interesting thing in relation to the, you know, the tuning of the physical body. Most of us are walking around in cacophony, you know, where it's like when you, you can with an instrument, you can very, very easily tangibly hear like that sounds like shit. Right. In the body, because we don't have the education around tuning, we don't necessarily see it, know how to articulate it, but we read each other through body language. I think that everybody's music sounds different. And I think that there are all different walks of life and all different backgrounds of people and all different qualities of people, good, bad, ugly, pretty, whatever. And everybody identifies with something different. And what is to you is not to them, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. We reflect a frequency. There's, I mean, we can go as hippy-dippy as we want to and talk about really like that manifestation of the vibration in life that, that attracts other vibration, but that's uh, whatever. What I want to talk about is sometimes you can be perfectly tuned, but you're not the driving force. You're not the, the creative impulse. Maybe sometimes being perfectly tuned is being the support for those people or those individuals. And mm. one of the most beautiful things that a lot of these people that I think sometimes seem untuned mm. as we are starting to say too much, yeah. uh, is that 
they don't have the ego that a lot of us have. I, I've got a huge ego, man. There's no way around it. I wish I, I wish it didn't control me when it occasionally does, but I'm really starting to understand it a little. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm totally wrong, but there's a lot of people out there that are just so content. And I think there's a huge part of health that is contentment, being okay, being okay with what's going on and really being at peace with it. Sometimes we're so interested in our sound, our tuning, pleasing our egos towards health and performance and creativity that we forget that sometimes that's not what the world needs. The world needs support and compassion and these different things that, that come with a lot less outward energy. And I think every now and then we got to look at these people that are doing less as the people we should actually follow occasionally. Not always. There's, it, it, there's always different times of life to do different things. Right. Surround yourself with different types of people. But every now and then I feel like there's almost like a, in the, in the, in the, the consumer consumption production genesis world where you're either, a, you're either a provider or a taker, a giver or a taker, whatever, you know, this, this way of looking at things. There has to be some people that don't give a shit. There has to be some people that are just floating along life happily like most other animals do, because that honestly is that's probably a very healthy way to go through life for a lot of people. Otherwise, you got the stress of production all the time. And that's a very real stress. And and then you have to absolutely continue looking for ways to improve your health, your tuning. Yeah. But you're kind of doing some of it to yourself. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like every person and we'll get back to like on the ground back in California here in a second. But but I feel like every person is kind of like a representation of a certain aspect of humanity. And some people take on warrior, you know, and I am, you know, I go out and I kill and I destroy and I knock the belt. Other people go live in a cave and they just meditate for their whole life. You know, and like there's not one wrong or right. I think that both of them are just literally like holding an anchor for this is this is a part of this human psychological phenomena, the human experience. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's all of that perspective. Yeah, I think it's all good. <laughs> like we need to but, embrace but it that all. Is, that's that's a really nice way of saying it takes everybody. It takes a village. It takes a community. And it, uh, on a microcosmic scale, it takes a community to raise a child well and to heal a body well and to 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 help a small group of people thrive, but it also takes a community to help the world thrive. And yeah. it takes a community viewpoint in which all the viewpoint is, there's nothing more, is that it's okay for everybody else to be here too. Right. That's it. That's the viewpoint that allows community to be established and to work and to promote itself as a good thing. Yeah. And in health, we're starting to see the shift where it's becoming a community because there is absolutely fewer and fewer and fewer barriers of discussion and communication between allopathic and osteopathic and chiropractic and acupuncture and naturopathic and Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy. The barriers are breaking and they're starting to recognize that they share a common goal, which is to help people. Sometimes you got to have that goal be greater than the pieces that make it up. On a much larger scale, perhaps the influence of first the healthcare community and maybe just the, the presence of social media, social media, people can all of a sudden see everybody else's opinion. They can see what everybody else thinks. They can see that there are other opinions and other ways of life. I think all those little things are going to help community exist better. It's going to help the world support itself better. I think our job as doctors, because we have a little bit of, of influence in that one little microcosm of the health community, we have the ability to educate and communicate well. 
And I think the better that we can do that as doctors, practitioners, all of that, the better we can make it okay that everybody else exists. Just make it okay that every other type of practitioner exists. It's not right or wrong. It's perfectly okay that they see the world through their eyes. The closer we can get to that, the better everybody's health is going to become over time. Yeah. Buckminster Fuller called it uh, a law of mutually accommodating systems, I think he said, where it's like when you start. (laughs) 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 So but essentially what that is, it's something it's it's (laughs) it's something that I witness. I found that concept interesting because I've witnessed this in martial arts. I've witnessed this in dance. I've witnessed this in shamanistic experiences, you know, where it's like we're tapping into when you get down to the truth of, you know, movement is an easy, tangible place to go. Whereas like if you're able to utilize the hip hinge functionally and you're able to activate your posterior chain and you're able to come through and do a deadlift functionally, maintain neutral spine and all that, that will translate into how to work in your kitchen well, how to work in your yard well, how to roll jujitsu well, how to throw a really strong kick in Muay Thai. If you're able to really activate upon that whole system, then we start getting into those mutually accommodating systems. You're like, oh my God, like everything's the same. And I think that that's something that we're witnessing with allopathic medicine versus ND or DC or what, what have you, where it's like, you know, no, I think we can all get along and we do all share this space and we're all driving for the same thing. But the ego has gotten in the way, I think, for fair reason. I understand. I've heard you mention before of like how, you know, going to school to be an MD is like takes so much school. You know, so of course you come out with a little chip on your shoulder, but I think those walls are breaking down. <laughs> I also, I also think that that chip and the chip on the shoulder is an important piece. Yeah. When you're young, regardless of your age, when you're kind of a little younger, your response to anything creative is like, I need the creative impulse. And when we're young, that that tends to come from frustration and anger, yeah. and we need that. Especially as a creative person, that's your job, is to be creative. If you're not fulfilling that, you're going to be seeking purpose your whole life. But if you fulfill it, you're going to be you. You're going to feel well, some of the time at least. But if we're always looking for anger and frustration, it's going to become very unsustainable to remain a creative person. So we have to, at some point, shift that to where my friend, he's an artist and, and just one of the sweetest guys. His name is Jay Alders. He's out in New Jersey. He does this incredible ocean and surf art work. Cool. I really suggest people look at his website, jalders.com. But his whole thing is, as he's now into his young 40s, he has to remain creative, and he doesn't want to be angry. He's got kids, and he's got a wife, and it doesn't serve him to be frustrated in life. Right. It serves him to be happy, but also to be productive and to support his family. I can't remember the name of the couple books that he's told me about, but the gist of the book is that life, gives us opportunities to become creative. It's our job as we grow and mature and become a little bit more actualized within ourselves to figure out ways to grab that opportunistic energy the moment we see it. Because otherwise, we're going to become very frustrated and we're going to continue using frustration to fuel us. But it's an unsustainable fuel. It's not from within. It's from lack of having. It's from not getting your expectations met. It's a very selfish and instant gratification based style of creative impulse. So you got to you got to go really deep and figure out what makes you happy and then start shifting that to be your impulse. 
Yeah. So you, I don't know how to do that. You got, got <laughs> you, I've heard you tell a story before. I, so before I do podcast name, I listen to literally every podcast they've ever done and try to read all their stuff. And so I've heard, I've heard, <laughs> you know, it's great. Um, I've, I, I, I've done handful. <laughs> I've actually gotten a lot out of it. Um, but one of the things that you've mentioned is that you got really pissed off when you were in chiropractic school in relation to how much sitting that you were doing and how much, you know, I, I, I say martyring of your body for the sake of health. It's like completely paradoxical, you know, and so you have clients or patients coming in and they're out there living it, you know, and they're moving and they're like, well, and they come in for a little tune up from you and you're supposed to be this bringer of health. Yeah. You know, and so I'm me. Yeah, you know, and so it's like, you know, the shoemaker with no shoe kind of thing. Can you, can we potentially get into, because this is something that so many people are dealing with in school, and you use that kind of frustration as a, as a tool to get better. Can you kind of get into a little bit of like how maybe people can get something out of that? Yeah, I could definitely, hang on one second. I got a dog at the back of our, hey, no, Cooper, no come here, buddy. <laughs> So you got a little dog dog war going on in the backyard. It this looked, could be entertaining for everybody. It, it looked like a, it looked like a goat from my ankle. <laughs> There's just a whole bunch of dogs back here. Oh, there it goes. Well, how did you yeah. feel like the dog whisper? How did you sense that was coming on? Oh no, I heard it was coming. You just can't hear it. They're just oh. figuring each other. It'll okay. take a minute. Yeah, yeah, no worries. It'll take 20 seconds. They're already starting to calm down. Okay. Humans should be more comfortable with doing that, I think. Right. And also letting it happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously. All right. So sorry, uh, you US got you got angry, life. frustrated. Yeah. You learned from it. You brought something beautiful into the world. You know, lotus flower coming from the swamp. Sure. <laughs> uh, I had no shortage. Not that I had a very frustrating life. I had a good life. I have I have a good life. Even when I was a kid, I had a I had wonderful, loving parents. I, I wasn't I didn't necessarily identify with the place I grew up, but that's okay. Most people I don't think do. Later in life, I figured out it was good. But I had, a, I had this wiring for frustration. My, it was as if my serotonin well was just ever so low my whole life. And it just never got any higher mm. until I learned how to stop wasting it, I guess you could say. A lot of times it would be this spike of serotonin after a really deep, intense bout of frustration or anger or self-critique that was intense that would spring me into the next creative impulse, which was very euphoric. It was almost like the, the process of coming up with something feels so good when you have kind of prior to that felt empty or angry or whatever. And that pendulum was the defining pendulum of my life for as long as I can remember. Hmm. Still is, don't get me wrong, it still is. But I've learned how to understand it so that now the difference is when you're in your 20s and you're in your late teens, even sometimes in your early 30s, you understand the far reach of this end of the pendulum and you understand the far reach of this end. But in the middle, you feel lost, which means you spend most of your time really feeling kind of lost, not knowing what you're supposed to be doing. Because one day you wake up with no energy for no reason. One day you wake up with a lot of energy for no reason. You don't really learn how to understand it. Then you start noticing the foods that affect you. You start noticing that with and without exercise of certain types, you feel very different. For me personally, it was finding, not just finding surfing. So I found surfing about 10 years ago. It was going through the several year process of learning how to surf. Right. Then it was kind of every handful of months trying harder and harder and harder things and meeting people that were influential in that community that would teach me. And it gave me this other thing 
that took over because no matter what mood I was in, I could go surfing and I could feel satisfied the same way I used to feel satisfied when I would create something or come up with something, or figure something out, whatever. And it sounds silly because surfing is it's a, it's a hobby, but it's not really just a hobby. It's, for me, it's, it's getting into nature. It's, it's fulfilling a lot of really important things. It's breathing deeply and being exhausted in big waves and overcoming fears and skill development because you continuously become a better surfer. You continuously get better timing. That translated into everything else in my life. Not surfing, but the skills of timing. Being patient. Getting knocked around pretty well and just calming down while it's happening. Those things make frustration feel so much better when you're frustrated. Not when you're surfing, but when you're frustrated. When when you get sued by an old partner. When a relationship ends. When so many things in life happen. A friend passes away, whatever. When those things happen, you need to have tools. And it's not that surfing is the tool. It's that the skills that I learned there, patience, going with it, calming down, just taking it on the head every now and then, are so valuable to the rest of life. And they have let me see through over the past 10 years. They've let me kind of turn around, look at what I'm going through, and kind of see the rest of what's happening around me. Seeing what I'm causing seeing what's completely out of my control. That's the skill development. Mm. The, more, the better you get at that, the better your whole life gets because it's got less to do with everything else around you, more to do with you. I like that. Um, so, so one of the things you're getting into that I want to, I want to always ground everything back to the, you know, the body if we can. And one of the things you're mentioning is stability. And I don't think you said support, but support, you know, and finding that well-rounded integration. And you could even go, you know, into more Buckminster world and say tensegrity, you know, and have that balance through the whole entire system, you know? And so when you pull on one little system, it's going to pull in the rest of the system. And that's the tuning of our, of our vessel, of our vehicle, of our bodies. You know, so your whole, your whole thing, or one of the, one of the main things that you were bringing, focusing, driving, bringing to the world is, is activating a posterior body. You know, it's like this shadow, dark, ghost spot in most of our lives because we just don't have there's no reason to use it except for you know all of the million reasons to use it yeah i was (laughs) was gonna say there's a lot of reasons to use it including in our in our everyday life yeah one of the things that i see all the time is sitting kills all that and it doesn't kill sitting doesn't kill you no the effects of sitting over time the the adaptive changes the the slow adaptive shortening of the pec minors the slow adaptive shortening of the hamstrings the external rotation of the glute Medius, maximus, minimus, the, the piriformis, the, uh, the, the obturators. There's so much shit that goes on in there right. that twists your body out of its normal, that's the wrong word, rational Optimal human unra- biomechanics. Yeah. Okay? So all of a sudden, you stop using the posterior chain muscles, which is the only thing that is enough to make them not work right and, and atrophy a little bit and, and become less effective and less efficient for you. So you just have to start using them a little bit better, but you can't just start using them with the body you have. You can't just start expecting standing up from a seated position to fix you all of a sudden. You have to stand up from a seated position and fix yourself. That's where foundation training comes in. It's not that the posterior chain is unused. It's that it's out of position. It's literally rotated away from itself. It remains short in most places while the front chain, the deep front line, remains long in most places. And the few tight spots that each one has become the lagging strands of the body's reactions, of its biomechanical processes. Those lagging strands control the quality of every movement that the body makes. 
that's why the posterior chain becomes important because it is the lagging strand in most people. Mm. And it's from sitting too often, but it is not a demonization of sitting because you can sit extremely powerfully and you can use sitting as one of the most challenging exercises your body can do, but it is not going to feel like you're resting on your joint. Right. It's going to feel like you're supporting yourself in a very strong position and you'll only be able to do it for a minute or two at a time. But that minute or two at a time will do so much for your metabolic features, your muscular metabolism, your breathing metabolism, for the respiration and detoxification of your body. Because I hate to say it, but this position doesn't detoxify your lungs very well. Right. And that's our primary pathway. Yeah. That's air in, crap out. These positions become so much more. That's why I mean, that's why I take the time to write a book. I, I don't make a lot of money. <laughs> All of my money has gone back into foundation training. And I have a few other people, a handful of other people now that have kind of done the same thing because we believe very seriously in our, our job of promoting this work to people, getting it out there. You'll notice that most of my stuff is free. The reason for that is people need to understand the very simple measures to take to activate and integrate the posterior chain. Because instead of being the lagging strand, it becomes the driving force of so many other actions in the body. Yeah. You have no idea, maybe you do, how impactful the serratus muscles are, front, back, in activating the hips. Because when they're too short, it completely changes the way the rib cage sits atop the spine, rests within the spine. That positioning of the rib cage governs whether or not we are going to be using this movement of the ribs to pump the thoracic spine and create this beautiful flow of cerebrospinal fluid. Not that it doesn't flow otherwise, of course it does, but not as well. Go look into really cool things like craniosacral stuff that goes with these rhythms of the CSF. If you watch, go watch some of these animations of breathing. There's a lot of really cool animations. There's even some functional MRIs that show the ribcage expanding, the diaphragm depressing, and this really interesting series of movements at the spine that result up and down movements. Pressurization of disc among disc among disc, this spreading out of the spinal column and the thoracic spine that results from breathing. And it looks like one of the most metabolic things the body can do. Right. And it feels like one of the most metabolic things you can do. It's the basis of decompression breathing, the fundamental program of foundation training, or the fundamental principle of foundation training. Decompress the axial skeleton. Re-educate the axial skeleton towards expansion instead of contraction. As you do that, you improve so many metabolic features yeah. through breathing deeper, you know, more deeply, having more space for digestion because you're not just filling it with this gas pressure from breathing into your belly all the time. You're breathing into your ribs, creating space for your belly to be a belly instead of a rib cage. And you're allowing your posture to react to muscular contractions, albeit small ones, but a lot of small ones combined. Right. It's not a bicep going boom. It's intercostals and serratus muscle supporting the scapula the right way against the rib cage against this outward expansion so that everything around it can adhere to what Buckminster Fuller was talking about and, and apply itself to the communal effort of tensegrity. Yeah. That's how the body works. That's how the muscles work. When your posterior chain's twisted and turned out of its place, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah you mentioned um, the, the lungs being able to, to process, right? So if you're in this forward hyperkyphotic position and hyper th your thoracic curve is all crunched forward, you don't have the ability, that full capacity to go through a range of motion and clear out 
in from like a pneumonia perspective, this is like Andrew Andrew Taylor exactly. still. He had he had a you know I, I don't know if you call it a study, but his experience with pneumonia, working with clients, doing manual therapy, and opening up all those re- those restrictions that, that you're talking about right now, significantly more effective than using pharmaceutical got, drugs. You got the tissue out of the way, right? And the tissue space occupation is a huge reason for the body feeling very well or very poorly. Right. We have a lot of things vying for space, and sometimes there's just not enough. Yeah. And that's usually a result of gravity pushing us into places we're not meant to go and us simply adapting to those positions by not paying close enough attention to get out of them. Yeah. And then we lost connection and I did some research into biodynamic cranial sacral rhythm. Blue, 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 blue. Back to the show. Boom. See how this does. I got a, I got a whole extension cord situation set up. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so I'm looking up the cranial sacral rhythms right now. Yeah. And so there's, so there's, so there's, uh, I haven't, I haven't studied this stuff for a bit. So there's, there's the short tide, middle tide and long tide. Uh-huh. And the short tide is between six to 12 cycles per minute. So I said, I said every, what did I say? Every 15 seconds. So it's more like every, like, that's what I'm talking about. That was, that was, that it's was that cycle. Of, um, so let's, I want to talk about this. Okay, go, go. Cause now that's, that supports it. Yeah. And I was scared that it wasn't going to, and I, I, I'm not a craniosacral therapist, and I don't want to make an ass of myself. I'm not which either. I, <laughs> which I, I, I feel like I, it comes easily. You, know, you can right. easily say the wrong thing in this stuff. Right, right. But what you just said to me is that more or less the craniosacral fluid flows at roughly the same rate as your respiration, close to it. Okay. 10, 8, 12, depending on if you're a shallower or deep breather, breaths per minute versus you were saying about six to 10 of that mid cycle yeah. that's respiration. That's, 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 yeah, that's the short cycle. And there's the mid cycle the short and, the long, and the long cycle, yeah. Which is so the long I, look, And I might have, there might be people listening to this right now going like, this guy's about to sound like such an idiot. And I might, <laughs> but hear me out for a second. I'm okay with that. I really believe, and I, I, I really believe that the better we breathe, the more our breathing influences the flow of cerebrospinal fluid through the ventricles, through the brain. And I think that in and of itself has an impact in everything from coordination to just the simple flow and space occupation within our spine. I really think that the spine is, is this thing that's designed to move just a little bit. And if it's too rigid, we get these degeneration patterns. And the most interesting thing that I can think of that seems to be happening over and over and over, and I don't have the brain to understand it, I'm not going to lie, but it seems to keep happening, is the more people practice this decompression breathing process, which is nothing more than the eccentric muscular training of the expansion and contraction muscles of the ribcage, including the diaphragm. When those muscles get better at doing their job of making sure that when you're not paying attention to breathing, your ribcage is expanding at least, at least a little bit at least a little bit, it's not remaining rigid, that your spine remains less rigid. Yeah. And, and as such, remains more mobile over time. And as such, remains less degenerated over time. Because yeah. it seems like the body's response to stagnation or to much motion, which is another form of stagnation of muscles because you're dependent on ligaments and bones, if it's not muscular contraction that's supporting the area, the area tends to get too, too strong, too rigid, too tight. Too dense and it stops moving right. which leads to that same process above and below because eventually it's going to first become hypermobile it's going to depend on ligaments it's going to depend on the joints until they wear 
until there's a lo- enough ligamentous creep that there's no longer structural stability there. And then that joint, too, will become more rigid. There's a couple things that don't seem to respond all that much to foundation training. One of them in particular is central canal stenosis, especially in the lower spine. And I'm scared of it. But it's because I think that central canal stenosis is like almost pointing right to the part of the body that becomes extremely rigid, that stops moving over time. And all the joints around it become hypermobile. And you get this little pinpoint focal point of pressure that starts to make secondary stability structures fail. Again, discs, ligaments joints that's the that's the passive end range stability that's the stuff that is built to built not to fail Mm. it's built to under the weight of gravity and propulsion and force if your body goes in this direction you have muscles initially to protect it the primary stability structure and then if those are too weak or they don't have the range of motion it has a secondary stability passive Mm. rigid it tears it doesn't bend very well and the more we get dependent on those the worse our body works from head to toe and breathing, it seems, is like this built-in regenerator. When you get the breath pattern to be muscular, powerful, metabolically surprising almost, like, holy crap, I'm working out, but I'm standing here, and I'm breathing bigger, and I'm doing a muscular workout that instead of going from outside in is going from inside out, it feels very different. And it stimulates so many different metabolic functions that I, I'm willing to bet. I don't know what I'll bet. But I'm willing to at least put a very confident stance behind the fact or the theory that CSF is positively influenced by healthy breathing patterns. And healthy yeah. breathing patterns have a certain degree of ribcage expansion because the lungs are there. Yeah. And then looking at the breathing patterns as well from a perspective of autonomic nervous system versus, you know, it's like it's, it's the bridge between what we control of ourselves and all the autonomic stuff, the things that just happen. You know, so if we can start to communicate to that part, that's like the fastest way to help downregulate this whole up hyperregulated nervous system. You know, we're in that state of contraction. If you're able to start to chip away and erode at that stress via something like breath, that will kind of lubricate the way for other potential change to take place. Think about how many people try to meditate. And what they're doing is they're taking the energy that is caught within their brain and body, this ruminative, anxious, stress, continuation, you know, continuous thought without an end. It's like a negative feedback loop that just maintains the wrong energy in the wrong place and keeps it on spin cycle. And then they sit. They put their hands into a position. They just kind of rest their body. Now, what they have is excess energy that is demonstrating itself as thought. What they would probably be very good to do is before they go into that more calming parasympathetic style of breathing, maybe spend five minutes doing some really intense activation type breathing. Let's get our autonomic system to remember that it has two sides. Sympathetic and parasympathetic and all all you do is train the calming down You're gonna be pretty bad at being sped up mm-hmm. You got to get good at speeding yourself up too. you have to know both sides of the pendulum whether it's mental physical Whatever it's all a pendulum. It all swings. You got to be familiar with both ends or else you're gonna feel lost While you're going between the natural fluctuations of life including ruminative anxiety type thoughts including trying almost becoming more stressed out because you can't calm down because you're not ready to calm down because you got this energy that you got to get fucked out. Right. <laughs> Pop the bubble first. Pop the bubble. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, relaxation feels good. Right. <laughs> why can't I relax? Why can't I relax? Right. I really wish I could relax. Man, I'm right. so not that's, I think that's why sex is good. You know, it's like, it's, it's one of the, like, if you don't, among if you don't, it's, well, I think that, I think <laughs> activating the, the, our, our hip hinge is another reason that it's really good for you. Activating cerebral spinal fluid, activating, you know, pelvic flow, all that stuff, but as well, getting into some primal animalistic flow state. If you don't have music, if you don't have sport, if you don't have surfing, you know, fill in the blank. And you don't have sex. <laughs> sex is like a, a nice little gets you into that kind of like reset mode. But we need to have multiple forms of that, I think. Along a spectrum. Everybody needs a varying degree. Yeah. Some need a lot less. Some need a lot more. It can be just as, and this is to keep up with the status quo of what, especially as men, what we're supposed to desire, what we're supposed to want, how we're supposed to feel. Keeping up with that status quo can be terrible for us if we're not the kind of person, if we don't have the tuning that needs that. Everybody's tuned different. You got to remember that. You got and it's okay for every kind of thing to be out there. The purpose of things like like podcasts, things like you and me spending a, a little while here talking, is that it will completely resonate with some people that are tuned in a somewhat similar fashion, and it might help them to find something that makes sense to them. But there's going to be some people out there that are like, guys are out of their fucking mind. I don't want to do all that. I, I, I'm very comfortable and I'm at peace. And I just think that there is a peace out there that need like, and, and this is in the health field and this is in the, the, the workout world, the intensity driven today. I'm better than yesterday world. Sometimes it's okay to be just as good as yesterday. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to be a little worse because there's just natural fluctuations in life. For all of us, every body at every age, no matter what, it's energy. And we are reacting to so much around us at any given time that, of course, there's fluctuation. If your only way of being is driven, you're in overdrive. (laughs) You're tired. And you're not putting forth the quality of care for yourself to be better tomorrow or the next day, regardless of how many quotes you read, regardless of how many reps you do. You have to train both sides of the pendulum. And for those driven people, it's the parasympathetic system. Those are the people that need to sit down and meditate a little bit. But there's all different kinds of people. And that's the whole thing is provide as much information you can and just see who resonates with it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So something that people can do really quick, I was thinking as you're talking about the breathing and all the articulation, the ribs and such, is just grab your rib cage. It's a good shoulder shoulder, shoulder uh, mobility exercise as well. Grab your rib cage and feel into, you can imagine your ribs are articulating with the sternum and the spine, almost like the handle of a bucket, right? So in that inspiration, expiration, if you feel a rib that's, that's kind of lagging, you know you have work to do. And just, again, it's, it's that reverberation of feeling yourself. You know, like, I am here. You know, but feeling, your, feeling that range of motion, I think, is a really helpful thing to do. So. Yeah, it's good to be sensitive. Yeah. So, feeling range of motion develops sensitivity. So, one of the, so what I, why I appreciate the work that you're doing, and it's very comparable to the work that, that I'm doing, in a sense, with, with differences, but is uh, starting with the foundation. You know, so, so many people, we want to get into animal crawls, and we want to get into rope climbing, and deadlifts, and all that. So, I think deadlifts are, that is a foundation. But, you know, when we get into all these big motions, but we don't actually have the foundation of posterior activation to kind of hold that together. You know, there was a there was a study when where they did. It's not just po- I don't want to get it pigeonholed into just uh, posterior activation because 
what you're talking about, that that tensegrity structure, there's in most people, there are so many little internal rotation things that have to cue in like the deep front line and the just some of the really small muscles that pull the arch up instead of letting it depress down, yeah. keep the hips properly rotated so that the glutes are primed for contraction instead of already contracted. Little things like that that actually facilitate the posterior chain, right. um, but are not in and of themselves. Yeah, I don't want I don't want people to think that everything we're going to do is challenge the hamstring and the lower back muscles. I want them to think that there's going to be a lot more of a spiral orientation to anything they learn in foundation training. Yeah, and and. Of course, but with that, a lot of people are kind of, you know, uh, too short or upregulated or so activated in the front of their body because that's where the world lives. It's in this front here, you know. So that hunched-over position is where a lot of us end up occupying, being bus trains, whatever. There was a study where they did the nerve conductivity around the the, the nerves in relation to where people are having pain, and you'd think they'd be like, like red fire hot, and what they found is that they're blue, dead, dying. You know, so it's like we have these ghosts, you know, these, these, these dark crevices in our body that want to be activated. And until they become activated, I think they might cry. And if they don't, if they don't cry and you don't hear them, then eventually they'll go numb. And that's, yeah. you know, just as bad yeah, or worse. That's, that's spot on. They cry. They, they give us sensations. They give us differences in motor output. They give us so many different things that are, that are just basic nerve referrals whether it's in or out, afferent, deferent. And as that happens, we hit the button where we feel it. So much so that the thing's like, okay, you're, okay, no, no, not that. I'm gonna hurt worse tomorrow because you hit the wrong thing. But then you go hit the button again. And it's like, no, no, human, I'm your body and I'm giving you this message where it's like, okay, you're hitting the button, but it's getting worse, so stop hitting the button. And then we wake up in the morning and we go lay on a foam roller, hit the button again, where we feel it. And then we go to our doctor and we're like, hey, doc, I've been hitting this button. I got SI pain. I got sciatica. I got piriformis syndrome. Doc's like, okay, let me do this. Get in there. And they throw you an external rotation and they move you around. And just like the body that's overtrained, the body that's in overdrive, your muscles in overdrive, your nerves in overdrive. And it responds by giving as little output as possible so it can calm down. It's the extremes of the pendulum. And that lackadaisical nerve tissue is responding to hypersensitivity. It's responding to overuse over time, not where it is, but in other parts of the body that are compensating for it. Yeah. And so my question, and I'll let you go here. What time do you got to be out of here? We got to be out of here now-ish? Uh, relatively. Okay, cool. Relatively now-ish. Yeah. Yeah. So the (laughs) the last thing that I want to bring up is just like, so I somehow have found it, you know, the, the urge inside of me to explore weird parts of my body and my back and my glutes and all these weird, and and it's not just about the back. It's just, we've all spent so many years focusing on the front, you know? So it's like, all right, let's give some time back there and see what happens. And so for whatever reason, um, I'm okay with spending some time in these weird positions, but I don't really expect for many people to really be engaged with that because it's not, it's not like playing soccer or football where it's like, hit the ball, run, woo, you don't realize you're exercising. With this activation, it's like, it's like you got to really, really care about it, you know, yeah. or it's, you're, you're probably not going to stick with it. You know, or like, you got to find, or you got to find a system that maybe seems a little simple and seems like, oh, I, I, this isn't going to be doing as much as I think it's going to be doing until you try it. And you realize that there's just a couple ways the human body can move in which it just eccentrically loads some really major springs. 
And that eccentric loading, that, that, that learning of a muscle and a nerve pattern to absorb force before we ask it to generate it is so important to the, to the entire nervous system. The biomechanical system, absolutely. The, the, the weight absorption system, it's huge. But the nervous system becomes more efficient the better we move. The nervous system is, is really where it's at, based anyways on my education as a chiropractor. Yeah. Uh, you want it to be very efficient. It controls you in a lot of ways. We have to work on those few things more than we work on anything else. And I, and I mean anything else. Not an exclusivity. We don't have to hip hinge exclusively, but we have to make sure we can hip hinge well. And that doesn't happen by simply hip hinge. It happens by slowly and steadily eccentrically loading the muscles that are designed to generate the force for a hip hinge. So they learn how to absorb that force before they learn how to generate it. With great strength comes great responsibility. They have to learn first. That's what this work does. And it's not that it's more important than a deadlift. It's not, but it will make your deadlift work. It's not that it's more important than yoga. It's not. It's that it will make your body work better when it's doing yoga. It's not that it's more important than anything. It's that without these basic corrective measures, the body's not doing what it's meant to do. And if you're a driven person, that stops you from going as far. And if you're a calm person, it stops you from relaxing as easily. Awesome, man. And so just the last, last thing kind of tying everything up in relation to the whole, we talked about tuning the instrument. If when you lean over and you pick something up and your feet collapse in and your knees drop in valgously and your hips dump in and your spine crunches forward and your neck, like that is a guitar that's just like not nice. And so the work that you're doing, I greatly appreciate it because it is slowing things down and before we go out and start playing in a symphony and blum 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 it's like no like let's get you home let's work on tuning your instrument up and then let's go surf then let's go play football but you might not be like we could still play and have fun but you need to spend some time tuning your instrument before and after you go out and that's kind of i appreciate it i know this guitarist named buckethead he's literally one of the best guitarists ever. just watching you yeah and Bucket has been doing foundation training for six years, five years now, since the first book came out. And he does it a lot, every single day. The improvement in his playing, largely stated only by him, to me, to his fans. I actually literally went and saw him play about a week ago because he was here in Santa Barbara. If his body wasn't tuned, he can't play well. In just the same way as if his guitar wasn't tuned, no no matter how well he was playing, it would sound terrible. It would, it would limit him. Right. Your body's that limitation. The body can be the lagging strand so easily in, in what you present to the world and the music they hear from you. Yeah. So take it seriously and, and give yourself that five or ten minutes to open up your perspective to the reality that what you know about what's good for you might be expanded upon slightly by learning foundation training. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to look at your peripheral reality and see, oh, maybe that could be a representation of where I'm at, at in the... You know, the my body level or my, you know, spiritual level, whatever it is, everything that we're creating out in the world is kind of in the vision of, of us, I think. So where do people find you? How do people <laughs> learn more about what you're doing and all that? Foundationtraining.com. That's, that's the magic. That's where I have some free resources so you can just try it out and see if you like it. And if you do, I got books, DVDs, I've got a certification program that will blow your mind. Awesome. Just like it blows mine every time. Love it. Cool, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, either see you in Oregon or see you in California yeah. or, or wherever, wherever, wherever it works. One of these days, we'll meet up for a surf. It'll be a lot of fun. For sure, I look man. Forward. 
Align Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body as well. Be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist, a massage therapist, all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one, and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.